So grateful, so thankful to open our hearts and our minds to the power and the presence of love. So grateful, so thankful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, to the unlimited, to the infinite. So grateful to consciously attune to the love of God that we are. So grateful to recognize the oneness and unity of all life is the thing that unites us with ourselves, with each other, with God, God and only God. So grateful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self, the mighty I am presence of our being. So grateful to know that we share this I am presence, we share this higher mind. So we join together in this awareness for the purpose of our healing, for the purpose of our discarding the thoughts that aren't true and that don't matter. So grateful to let go of the attachments of the past. So grateful to let go of that which certainly does not serve our life of love. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone. In gratitude, we let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yeah. So, so good. So I'm just going to do a little bit of housekeeping here. Um, one of the things is that uh, we... Um, uh, I, I, and I've mentioned this, but I just want to be a bit more clear about it. I am creating a sequence of counseling sessions uh, that I'm calling the triple A's. So activator session um, uh, is the first one, activation session. And uh, therefore, the purpose of helping us to get more clarity, to make decisions about how we're proceeding spiritually. And uh, so we're in the process of training uh, those counselors in the certification program who are interested in being trained in them to offer them to all the Masterful Living students uh, who are currently involved. And then next year, it's going to be a part of the curriculum for next year. And uh, one of the things I was sharing in the year one class this week is that I'm feeling called to change things in Masterful Living for next year. And uh, the change that I am being called, invited to hold for all of us is to hold everyone more accountable. And um, as you well know, uh, I, my policy or our policy in Masterful Living is there are no requirements, really. Uh, except for we we know we we own our judgments, we discard them, and uh, we don't give advice. Those those are our our guidelines, uh, but there's no requirement. And uh, I'm going to start moving towards having requirements. I'm not saying that I will 
definitely have requirements next year. I'm not quite feeling that, but I am feeling called to really, I'll say push people to move into a, a, a level of accountability. And one of the things all of you know quite well is that when you do hold yourself accountable, when you make your spiritual practice the way that you live your life versus something that you do for a portion of time each day, when you make your spiritual practice your life, you're living it, you're walking the talk, you're living the love, then your life really begins to change. And as we all know, in the beginning, there's a lot of resistance. And um, I, I did a radio show earlier in the year uh, on the section in the text called The Fear to Look Within, where it talks about basically Jesus says, you know, people have a fear to look within because they think it's just going to be a waste heap, a sewage pipe you know it's it's nothing but ugliness inside that's the uh, opinion that many people have when they begin this work they fear to look within because they fear all they're going to see is what they already know and are um, discouraged about so they're going to see that there's something wrong with them that they're not good enough that they're unworthy they're broken they're unfixable all these different opinions that we have when we begin. And um, that's the fear to look within. And uh, But the truth is that when we look beyond the false idols that we've made, and of course the false idols are our opinions and judgments about ourselves and others. So they actually the belief that there's something wrong with me was my false idol. I made it. I cherished it. I took it everywhere I went. It was present in every conversation, every activity, every relationship. Everything I did had some reference to something's terribly wrong with me. And I, therefore, I am unworthy of real love. And it's never going to change. That's my destiny. There's nothing I can do about it. I've looked and looked and tried and tried, and it's just not going to happen for me because something is especially wrong with me. I am unique in this way, right? And if you've listened to the classes with uh, that I've done with Regina over the years, she's said that she truthfully, she believed uh, until she did the workbook lessons of A Course in Miracles, she believed that she was really like the worst person in the world. Seems hard to imagine. Seems hard to imagine. But she did. That's what she says. And, and I believe her, even though it's hard to imagine. And um, she's such a sweetie pie. But she's also, she's, uh, she's a no-nonsense lady, too. Um, and, uh, you know, she tells stories about she used to scream at her daughter, you know, really scream at her and attack her. So, um, I can understand how that would make a person feel that they were reprehensible beyond love. So the fear to look within is strong at the beginning. And, but 
the thing is, is when we are willing to look past the false idols, what are we going to see? We're going to see our perfection. We're going to see our God nature. We're going to see the beauty and the wholeness and the freedom and all the spiritual qualities. Seek first the kingdom, which is within, and all else will be added unto you in your awareness, which is the only place that's real. So um, this is the big fear that everyone coming into Masterful Living has, as far as I can tell. And uh, the vast majority of people believe that it won't work for them. And um, I would say the majority of people that I talk to one-on-one, because I do talk to them one-on-one, they tell me that the reason why they took Masterful Living was because they just couldn't do nothing anymore. They had to do something. And, uh, and then there's another percentage of people that say the strong motivator for them was they really wanted to have a stronger connection with God and they had a belief that taking Masterful Living would help them to do that. Um, so what I'm being prompted to do is to actually uh, work with people in a more... Well, the word that keeps coming to me is demanding, which I, 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 I want to back off from because I don't like the idea of being demanding. Uh, I, I already, my, my eight personality nature is, is demanding. So, and sometimes I don't like that and I need to temper it and be more gentle and be sweetly insistent <laughs> instead of demanding. Um, but I think that that um, flavor that I feel about the word demanding is is more uh, um, an old belief about uh, demanding, being demanding as being ugly. Um, but to really encourage and inspire and ask people to step up and do more. And be more present. So one of the one of the aspects of what we're we're doing next year in Masterful Living for the Year One folks is uh, I would like everybody to have these activation sessions ahead of time, so that they have some real clear uh, understanding of what their challenges are, and then. Um, to uh, have them continue on working one-on-one with one of the counselors in training to come to real clarity about the steps that have to be taken for them to make the changes they'd like to make. And then to have a third session, which is about how are they going to be held accountable and to create a structure for them of accountability that works for them. Because the ego, when the ego makes a structure of accountability, it always does it to further the ego's purposes, right? So the ego uh, holds us accountable in several ways. One is, uh, or the way that we relate as an ego uh, uh, identified person 
to accountability is we think, oh, I, I want to get everything right. I want to check off every box, do it all right, get the teacher's approval, pat myself on the back, and settle into my easy chair and put my feet up and say, there, I did that, and I'm better than all the other people who didn't do that, and now I can relax for 10 minutes because I've got the temporary seal of approval from my ego, right? So there's that ego approach to being a good student and, and holding myself accountable in order to get the, the important prize of validation. Don't want to do that. And then there's the other ego accountability where you decide you're going to set this high bar of accountability. And on day two, you decide, I can't do that. I'm quitting, right? So those are two main approaches to ego has to accountability. So uh, what I am feeling called to do is to support people from the beginning in a gentle amping up of accountability. It's one of the things you've all realized by now is that when you hold yourself accountable, you take responsibility for your feelings, you take responsibility for your experiences, you're uh, in that space of um, I'm responsible for what I see and everything is just as I wish it would be. And you go into the inquiry of what, what am I to learn from this? How, how is this helpful to me? Uh, and that's part of our accountability. So the other thing we're going to be doing in Masterful Living this year uh, is uh, the New Year's Reboot class is, uh, I'm feeling called to do a three-hour class for New Year's Reboot on New Year's Day in a webinar style um, on Zoom. And um, we'll take a break, like a 20-minute break or something like that in the middle, um, but where we're actually doing work in the class, and there'll be breakout sessions in the class, which is not something I've done before. I've not done a three-hour class. I've not done a class like that. But I'm really feeling called this year to do everything I can to support people and not just listening to the classes, but actually doing the work. So um, I'm just curious, who really did the New Year's reboot work this year? Who did it? Who really did it? Okay, so cool. So uh, Elena and Deb are raising their hands. And uh, Liz is shaking her head no. Um, yeah, Carla's a no. So I'm taking everyone else's a no. That's fine. No, no, no shame. No shame. Mm -hmm. um, the losers yeah. should not feel ashamed. Please. No, I'm kidding. Of course I'm kidding. Who's that on the phone? It's Sheila. I'm sorry. It's very loud where I am. But yeah, I did the letters. I just didn't email the stuff to you. Okay, great. Great. So I would like, I'm so glad you said that, Sheila. Um, or as my iPhone says, Shelia. Um, the, um, my Siri. Uh, so w what, what I can say is that what I've witnessed is Deb has 
made huge progress this year. She's made real concrete changes in her life. She's feeling successful. Elena, we know that's true for her too. Sheila, we know that's true for her too. I'm just saying that there is something to really doing the work that makes the rest of your year different. It's, uh, you know, doing all those things at the beginning of the year. I know that uh, people in year two, three in Ascension Pathway are less likely to do all that work. They're, they're more likely to do it in year one, but still a lot of people don't do it in year one. And um, of course, I don't have any judgment or about that. It doesn't bother me in any way. I don't have any, really, any, any uh, thoughts about it at all. It's just spirit is tap, tap, tapping me on my heart and telling me this year it has to be different. It has to be different. Now, I will say just from my own personality, I'll totally own this. I, I don't like holding people accountable. Can you, and I don't like it. And for me, I used to hate being held accountable. It was like, oh, get off me. And I would take it, I was a rebel. You know, you're not the boss of me. You are not the boss of me. I decide what I'm going to do. And even if I decided I was going to hold myself accountable with things, even my, my alter ego would say, and you are still not the boss of me. So I'm not the boss of me. It was like a crazy inner thing with me that if I didn't feel like I wanted to be held accountable, I just wouldn't do it. And of course, the ego is going to squirm out of being held accountable in a spiritual way because uh, that brings spiritual growth, extreme spiritual growth, when you hold yourself accountable and you take responsibility. And uh, for me, fortunately, I finally figured out that holding myself accountable spiritually and taking responsibility spiritually actually made me feel so much better, much more peaceful and harmonious. And that became so attractive to me that the idea of rebelling against accountability became like, no, I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm not interested in sabotaging myself anymore. So... I recognize that everyone might not continue on next year and that's fine, but I would like to have us individually and as a group come to uh, ways that we're holding ourselves accountable. One of the thing that I'm, things that I'm starting to feel for us is, uh, and I've, I, um, I got this vision I don't know, 2006, 2007. And now I feel like it's coming into the time for it um, to do uh, small group projects on forgiveness. Small group projects on forgiveness in our communities, taking it out into our communities, collaborating and taking it out to our communities. And um, so I... I, I'm not sure yet. I don't have all the instructions from spirit yet. It's not all fully formed yet. But I am feeling that for us to hold ourselves 
at a high, much higher level of accountability for the coming year and to do a lot more looking within and uh, being courageous about it. I'm not the big fan of the fearless word because it has fear in it, but being courageous I like because it has the word core in it, which means heart in French and, um, and Latin. Uh, and so for us to have a higher degree of courage, and as you all probably know, the thing about having courage like when people talk about being fearless, when we're moving forward in expansion, you know, doing being our Star Trek selves, going where nobody's gone before in our personal relationships, going where we've never been before in our personal growth and relationships. People are not fearless. They have fears coming up all the time, but they act with courage anyway. So a friend of mine wrote a book called Fearless Living. And if I were going to write a book about fear, I, I, I might call it Courageous Living. But I like living the love too. So, um, but that's what I'm feeling us called to because we know each other so well, we can hold each other's hands so tightly. You know, we can really hold on to each other. And so, yeah, you know, if you use the idea, the, the metaphor really, that we're rising in God, we're rising in spirit, we're ascending, um, you know, you get up higher, you you kind of look back, you look down, you get dizzy, right? Um, as you're climbing to a higher altitude, it's harder to breathe and that kind of thing. And those kinds of metaphors apply to our work. Uh, you know, when I first started Masterful Living that very first year, and there were about 35 people in it that first year, and um, it was almost dizzying at first to have that many people's energy that having the responsibility for their karma all at once. I hadn't done anything ever like that before in my life. Took all that responsibility on at once. And it was, it was definitely like, Whoa, a bit disorienting just to feel the energy day after day after day. And, um, so I can see that spirits gradually worked me up because I also, you know, I have a karmic responsibility for the people who listen to my radio show. Because people take my word for things. And they make choices based on things that I say. So that's why I don't, um, I don't teach things that I don't know and understand. And if I do, I say, I heard this, I read this, not that I know it. I'm very clear about that. So... What I'm inviting, inviting you all to do is soon, not sure when, maybe at the end of the month, you'll be able to schedule an activation session if you haven't had one already. And uh, I'm inviting you to do that, even if you don't continue next year, to do as much as you can this year to um, 
set yourself up for next year. So I'm inviting you to really begin to think about if you were going to set some um, high personal goals for yourself next year that would really increase your well-being, your happiness, your sense of connectedness with God and, and with loved ones, to really think about, okay, what are those goals? And to um, set the highest goals that you possibly can or aspirations because um, I remember hearing Michael Beckwith tell a story back in the 90s that he read some article somewhere that was uh, interviews with people who had achieved extraordinary things. I don't know what they were. He didn't mention any of the people by name, but he said these were all interviews with people who had achieved exceptional, extraordinary things. And each one of them, when they were asked, um, what would they do differently if they had it to do over again? They, asked, they said this, they said, had I known it was even possible for me to actually accomplish what I set out to do, I would have set my sights even higher had I known it was possible. They didn't believe it was possible in the beginning, but they just decided to set the goal anyway. And that's a visionary way of living. And I think we can all handle it. I think we can all really step to that. And uh, I would venture to say that for all of us, probably, just about all of us, there's some significant amount of energy wasting that goes on. That's a form of self-sabotage. You know, it might be slight for someone and substantial for another person, but there's some. And the important thing is not for us to have any judgment about it because, and people have different thoughts about it. You know, people could, I mean, I sometimes think, am I wasting my time right now? And I think, no, I, I need to just chill. I just need to chill. Chill is fill in the well, you know? Oh, no, I, now am I wasting my time watching this comedy? I'm laughing. I'm enjoying it. I don't think that's a waste. You know, but there are other things that I'm doing that I'm thinking, you know, this, I don't need to do this now. I don't need to do this at all. Forget this. And sometimes I'll be on my way to do something, and I'm like, spirit's like, yeah, you'd be better off just making a good soup or chilling or talking with a friend and going to do that. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I, I can get that. And I'll turn around and go back. Um, so it's about being way more present with ourselves. I'd like to ask um, Deb and Elena and Sheila, Sheila, um, Do you have any sense of how doing that New Year's reboot work really did affect your year this year? 
if it was indeed anything from that. It's Sheila. I'll go first. Great. For me, Jennifer, what I'm finding is, to me, the work was similar to the deep desire of the heart. And if I'm remembering this correctly, it was writing the letter about where you were, you know, in the future as it was today, if I'm remembering the assignment correctly. And to me, that's the deep desire of the heart work. And I do that frequently because what I find for me is if I can get myself back into that space of that vibration of feeling that I have it already and things flow with ease and grace as opposed to me trying to figure it out. And for me, it's simply just a mind shift and vibration. And that just puts me so much in a better place. Um, that's how it comes across for me. All right, great, thank you. Anybody else? For me, um, honestly, I can't remember what I wrote at the beginning because I write it and then I just sort of let it go. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I have the uh, aspiration sheet and I, I don't even look at that every day. I go through periods where I do and then I let it go and then I look at it again. But um, my whole life is shifting this year. I mean, my business has expanded. I'm loving what I'm doing. I'm loving the service. I'm doing more grief recovery. My income's increased. I've got somebody helping me a little bit. I mean, just just that last piece was huge for me to be able to allow. I'm opening to relationships. I'm still finding challenges with that. I have more painters around here. In one week, then I'm not used to all that male, <laughs> young energy. <laughs> it's totally overwhelming, but it's done. It looks wonderful. My house is in process. It's being totally rearranged. Some of it feels like chaos, but I just know it's in process. I'm sorting things. I had help with a friend moving a de my mom's, my desk that was my mom's desk yesterday into its new place. I took out all the drawers because we had to tilt it. And as I opened that up, I saw her stuff in four of the seven drawers still, which I knew was there. And I just started crying because I'm open to letting that happen now. I have cried more in the past six weeks, and it feels more whole since I've been able to do that because it's moving. It's not stuck. I'm just, I'm just grateful. Yeah. Well, you've been talking about doing that stuff for a couple years, Deb. <laughs> to you. Kudos to you. And thank everybody because it took a community. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Elena, would you like to share anything? Yes. Uh, for me, 
I cannot exactly remember what I wrote and my intentions, but I, <laughs> from my contract, uh, there were some, some certain things that I mm, have in my contract. And I think the two big um, themes in my intention, there were freedom, feeling free, and uh, shifting my uh, career, to sh have a shift in my career. And uh, I can just see throughout the year how essentially, uh, you know, I've been dreaming about this for the last 10 years and I never done anything and how determined I was this year and how much you saw me. I was really like fighting for, for my freedom and for my, you know, for my uh, new direction in my career. And um, it was a huge, huge shift. I mean, you witnessed, and as Deb says, it, it took community to get there. But what, uh, what I see now, that the fact that I worked, and I really worked on this intention this year, I invested a lot of time in them. And this gave me determination. I was so, so determined to do so. I mean, hadn't I invested that energy in the beginning of the year, I wouldn't have the courage to go through everything. And this, um, I was so certain that this is a thing for me to do this year. And so I went through all of this and now, um, yeah, well, I know, you know, I already shared how I feel now and um, just, it feels dizzy now because there's so many shifts in my life and I, I'm not completely at <laughs> the space of peace and harmony at the moment, but I, I, I have no control over what's happening. So I'm just, uh, okay, it's, it's happening. Yeah. But I know that I'm in a good place. And this year I created a shift, an imaginary shift in my, in my life, in all areas of my life, essentially, because freedom was uh, regarding my personal life and essentially career shift was to, 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 to make this change in the direction of uh, doing spiritual work as my career. So these two things, and they happened which I couldn't, have, I couldn't even imagine in the beginning of the year that I would get there. Yeah. yeah. And I was so motivated because you said it's the first year of the nine-year cycle. Yeah. It was, I was like, for one year. <laughs> but I thought, I'm not going to start nine years <laughs> with, with all of this. I'm going to shift now. So. That's right, baby. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Me too. Beautiful. So, um, so in the, thank you everyone. So in that new year's reboot work this year, it was really about identifying and getting clarity about what you would like to have happen in multiple areas of your life. So your work, your spirituality, your finances, your home, your physical body, your creativity. We were looking at all these different areas of our life and really getting clear about what we would like, what we didn't like anymore. And uh, so that was the foundation of the New Year's reboot work. And, um, and it's very confrontive to do that, extremely confrontive to do that work. Uh, because I know for myself, one of the main things we have to do in order to do that work is we have to say, I am going to let go of my limiting thoughts and beliefs about what's possible for me. 
And I find for most spiritual students, for most human beings, the idea of letting go of the limited beliefs, as much as we think we'd like to, we are terrified of stepping into the unlimited. We're terrified of stepping into the unprecedented. We're terrified of like, okay, now I'm going to proceed as though I'm living the life I'd really like to live. I'm going to make that happen. And there's a variety of reasons why we resist really living the life we'd like to live. Right. So let's just identify some of them right here and now. What are some of the reasons why we resist living the life we truly desire or even entertaining it, even really talking about it, thinking about it? What are some of those reasons that we resist? I would say because something that good could never happen to me. So we resist because it, it can never happen. Maybe it's not resist. Maybe it's, you know, giving it up, giving it up. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't wish to entertain it because it's never going to happen anyway. Correct. So if we did entertain it, knowing that it's never going to happen, why, why, why would we not, why would we resist or deny ourselves the idea of moving forward as if it could happen when we believe it can't happen why how does how does that work exactly in our minds because we don't feel worthy because ego's in charge because we're hanging on so tight we don't even know how to loosen a little much less surrender Yeah, one, one of the things I learned as a teenager was that uh, people will actually line up. They would literally line up to tell you why you can't do things. They'd be like, oh, she can't do that. She's never going to, that's never going to happen for her. I remember when I was 16 years old and uh, I was standing with a group of friends, mostly guys, because I had mostly guy friends at that time, just because of the way my neighborhood was. It was a lot of guys. We were all standing in a circle, just hanging out, talking, you know, like teenagers do. And people were talking about what they wanted to do with their life. You know, we were 15, maybe 15 years old. And I said, I want to manage rock and roll bands, like big rock and roll bands. And my friend Dave said, that's never going to happen. And it shocked me. It shocked me that he would tell me that. Like, I thought he was my friend. Why would he say, say that to me? Why would he say it like that to me? You know, I felt so hurt by that, so bothered by that. Well, the next year, Dave got married because his girlfriend got pregnant. And he was 16, and so was she. And they got married, lived in her parents' basement. So that's why he said that to me. You know, and I took it on as, you just watch. You just watch. You know, it's like, I love that song, Uptown Funk song you know by um mark ronson and uh, bruno mars and 
where he says, don't believe me, just watch. Don't believe me, just watch. You don't have to believe me, just watch. So, but I certainly understand the idea of not even bothering if you have a belief that it can never happen for you. So that's a very, very, very strong belief. Anybody not have to wrestle with that belief? Anybody never had to wrestle with that? All right, nobody's raising their hand. So how do we work with it to transcend it, to transform it, to transmute it? How do we do that? Does anybody know? Deb. I would say to hand it up to Holy Spirit because I don't know what anything's for because I don't have a clue how to do it because, and I'm thinking of like being in a relationship for myself, just as an example, because you know, it took me so long to just date and then it took me longer to get married and then that didn't last and no, yada, yada, yada. And yet it was a huge growth and now I'm, more open to whatever is supposed to happen next than I've ever been. But I had to get myself out of the way, my ego self out of the way, thinking I knew how to figure it out. I think we have to transmute those beliefs. That's it, Deb. It, it, it's we can do the slow drip method of having many, many, many therapy sessions. You know, I, I did some of that for sure. You know, where I'm sitting with, a, and it's not a bad thing to do, but sitting with a counselor who doesn't believe you when you say it's not going to happen for you, they don't believe you. And you're talking with someone who doesn't believe you to uh, relinquish the false beliefs and we the other method is to every time we realize that we're operating from that false belief because we feel the constriction we feel the hesitation we feel the resistance we feel the reluctance we partner up and we say these thoughts these beliefs about me being limited are untrue because God's nature is my nature my nature therefore is unlimited so it's um i think one of the most helpful things i got from ernest holmes was in my training as a science of mind practitioner was ernest holmes would say god is the macrocosm we are the microcosm and just as god is love we are love and just as god is infinite mind we're part of the infinite mind and so uh, just as all things are possible in God, all things are possible for me in God. So this thought that I can't do it can only be true in the, if, if I believe I'm separate from God, then I will experience it as though it's true. So all limited beliefs can only appear to be true from the perspective of I am separate from myself i'm separate from my power which is the power of god in me and we're not separate 
there's just the illusion of separation that's in our minds. It's not even in the world, it's in our minds. And so, and then we project it on the world and we experience it. And then we say, see, it's true. But we wouldn't have experiences that we could say, see, it's true about if we didn't believe it. If we didn't believe it, we wouldn't have those experiences. Because that's the law of projection. So we must become very rigorous about saying, these limited thoughts are not true for me. They cannot be true. There's no basis for them. There are stories that are made up that I no longer choose to believe. It's like, imagine if you operated as though a wolf could come and blow your house down because you read it in a book, right? Everybody read the story of the three little pigs and yeah, just want to make sure Elena knows the story of the three little pigs. I think everybody in the United States knows that story. <laughs> right? Imagine if you were operating all the time that a wolf could come by and blow your house down because you read it in a book. But you know, people are saying right now, you know, that they're, they, they don't want to go to do anything because they're afraid that a terrorist could strike. It's understandable, but it's like not getting on a plane because the plane could go down, not getting in a car because the car could crash. So when I speak about uh, uh, doing this kind of work where we're going to get more clarity. We're going to work together in, in our prayer partners. And uh, I'm going to encourage you to work with the counselors in training and to have more concrete goals and um, to more aggressively eliminate the false beliefs um, to set stronger intentions and to hold yourself accountable more. How does that feel to you? What comes up? To me, you're just saying, let's all step up. And I think that's a great thing. And I want to step up. Thank you, Liz. Other thoughts that are coming up for people? Carla? You were going to say something before, too. I am experiencing a lot. So, I'm believing myself so a lot more than I realized that. So a part of me inside is quaking 
is really something, you know, quaking. I feel quaking. And then, and then whether it's another part of me or it's my true self or whatever, it's like, it's a bad damn time. <laughs> and, um, it's so amazing that how complacent I become sometimes. That I've, I've said several times, like a couple times, a couple years now, like, uh, you know, I don't think I think I've gone as far as I can in master for living. And then you know what's amazing? You change it. You change something. And I'm like, ooh. And then and when that happens, I get scared. Part of whatever something gets scared, right? Yet another, I feel like oh, this is what I wanted. It's great. So I can feel from Liz. And there's also the change. So you ask what is what is the most challenging thing? It's change. And it's really that's really life. It's really life. And that's what I'm scared of. Life. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. But Yes, I'm you saying. do. You know exactly what you're saying. And you're 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 it's a beautiful share. And the thing, the only thing I would point out to you is I don't see Carla get scared, but I see the ego get scared that Carla is disidentifying with lack and limitation. But Carla is very courageous, but the ego is not. You know, I just went to Legoland, or as Siri says, Legoland. Um, <laughs> I just went to Legoland with my nephew Mikey, as you probably all know. And um, so they have a bunch of roller coasters there. And they're pretty modest roller coasters. But there was one that definitely had a thing where, um, you know, it, was, uh, it went up and then it had a steep drop right and um uh so when when we did it the first time you know i screamed you know i just screamed ah! all the way down you know and then as soon as i stopped screaming i i, I made this sound <laughs> you know and then we turned the corner and i was ah! and then <laughs> And it was like that the whole ride, laughing, screaming, and then laughing, and screaming, and then laughing. And when I was screaming, I was involuntarily screaming. You know, I, I definitely was like, this is terrifying, but I wasn't worried for my life. It was just that physical response that a person has on a roller coaster. Of course, we get off the roller coaster, and Mikey and I are like, want to do that again? That was great, you know. <laughs> so we did that that particular ride with the biggest scream factor. I don't know we did it four times or something like that. And um, and then I'll have to we have to get the pictures because it, when you see the picture of me, you're gonna laugh so hard because I am just screaming <laughs> when they took the picture of me. And um, 
probably a lot of you saw that wonderful movie called Parenthood that Ron Howard made like 25 years ago. Do you remember Parenthood? Keanu Reeves was a teenager in that movie. And um, the, uh, the main character really was, it was an ensemble piece, but the main character was Steve Martin, who had a lot of fear um, because his son was um, kind of klutzy and kind of goofy and maybe not the smartest kid on the block. And he would have these experiences of real fear for his son, about his son's ability to navigate the world. And when he would have these experiences of fear, um, the, what Ron Howard, uh, or what was written into the script, I don't know who wrote the script, I don't remember. Um, it was these, he would cut to these scenes of him being on a roller coaster, you know, and feeling that, that you know, scary going down kind of feeling. And, um, and that is how life is. And we learn that even though we're feeling um, sick to our stomach, frightened, we're going to throw up, uh, we just want to get in bed, pull the covers over, that that's when we learn to partner up. It's not that we're going to not have these feelings. We'll have them less and less. But you know, I just go back to thinking about when I first started out uh, teaching classes and things like that, and I was just constantly thinking, how am I ever going to do this? How am I ever going to make a living at this? How is this ever going to happen and transform? And, you know, I just kept going forward and going forward and doing things that stretched me and stretched me and stretched me, following my guidance you know, and there were so many things that I would do that I'd think, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how it's going to happen. And people would even say to me, how are you ever going to do that? And I'm like, well, I don't know. But I'm doing it. That's all I know. I'm, I'm moving in that direction as though it's actually happening. But I, I, I don't know. And um, I still do that. I still do that. And um, Back then, I was really having a, a real challenge just paying my bills, just supporting my very modest life. You know, I had a low rent, and I had an old, old car, and, uh, uh, I mean, a 15-year-old car, you know? I mean, just, I, but I, I managed, and, um, I had debt and all kinds of things, you know, and I just, I, I managed. And um, back then I had a lot more fear and insecurity. And now I, I have the responsibility of employing an entire staff of people and meeting payroll every week and paying for all the Zoom and all the many different, you know, websites and all the blah blah you know. And um, I don't have it anywhere. I don't have, I have very little fear now because of the trust and the faith. So what I've learned is that 
that experience of feeling uh, disoriented, like Elena's talking about, it, and the experience of fear of stretching, fear of failure, feel it's not, fear it's never going to work, we're not capable, all that stuff, we can grow right through it. And to me, what Masterful Living is about, it's about really having a strong, strong container that's holding you, that you, you can't fall because you've got all this energy holding you. And that you, ha you can have, even the most timid person can have the, courageous, the courage to, to move forward. And so we've, we've already created all of that. And now I, I feel strongly that um, it's time for everyone to step up, like Liz said. Um, and what I see going on in the world today, in humanity today, is that people are either stepping up or they're falling back. And there's just no middle ground anymore. And I've uh, talked about it with other spiritual leaders and um, people are saying to me that what they see in the world and with their clients and students and things like that, they're seeing that there's a widening gap between those who are really doing the work and those who are afraid to do the work. Those who are stretching their mind and their heart and those who are more focused on what they don't like about the world and playing small that the gap between them is growing and growing and growing and that it's going to continue to widen it's going to continue to widen and um i'm, I'm not certain about that i think that's a perspective See, I, I have a different perspective because pretty much everybody in my world is, is moving towards that growth. Everyone that I'm talking with, literally everyone I'm talking with, even if they're like moving towards it at, you know, very slow pace with tons and tons of resistance, everyone in my life is still moving towards it that I really talk with. Um, but my guidance is for us to really move into a higher degree of uh, commitment, willingness, and leadership in our families and in our workplaces and in our communities. That that's, that's what we're being called to and to uh, shift Masterful Living so that it's more so, uh, in the even more supportive foundation. And so you, you, all of you have a different experience than I do because you're in it in a different way than I am. So I'm, uh, I'm really inviting you to, to brainstorm with me. How can we expand the depth and breadth of what we're doing and consciously uh, grow in a way that feels uncomfortable but exciting it's what we desire and even though we we feel uncomfortable with it 
so if, if we don't have to brainstorm it right now, but I'm inviting you to uh, think about it, contemplate it, talk about it with your prayer partners and bring things up and make suggestions. So uh, as I, because one of the things too is um, maybe some people who this year didn't um, facilitate one of the circles, maybe you'd like to next year. Maybe you'd like to facilitate a circle only with alumni or something like that. What, what, what would stretch you? What would grow you? So we're going to be coming into more one-on-ones, uh, uh, probably starting uh, maybe even this weekend, uh, doing more one-on-ones right through the end of the year and into the middle of January like I normally do. And um, so I would like to hear what, what you've got to share on this topic. Jennifer, may I ask a question real quick? Yes. Okay, so this is something that I see has been a little bit of a challenge along with what exactly you're talking about. I say I'm willing, I'm open, take me there. I know it's for the highest and best, but there's still something there that makes me want to say, okay, I'll do it. But the highest and best doesn't mean I'm going to like it. So there's a little bit of trust missing that my highest and best is something wonderful and awesome as opposed to something that I'm being challenged to grow through and that I'm not going to like the end result. <laughs> so it's a little bit of a trust and faith there that the end result is just going to be marvelous. Um, which causes resistance to make you just say, eh, maybe I don't want to go there right now. So loving the new idea. So. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that Sheila, because that is such a common belief. I remember having that belief myself. It, it's uh, I hear it all the time, slightly differently. What the way I hear it most from people is they say that um, it, the thought of thy will be done makes them go, Ugh, no, that, that means I'm going to be dragged through the mud. If God's will is done in my life, which would be the highest and best, then I'm going to be dragged through the mud, kicking and screaming. I'm going to have to give up the things that are the few pleasures I have in my life. I remember um, someone telling me once that, you know, they were self-medicating with ice cream. And when they were doing that, they were just thinking always like, this is the only thing I have in my life that gives me pleasure. And the, this eating this ice cream, you take this away from me, my life is one just like drag through the sand, you know? And um, uh, that a lot of people feel that way, that if they were to step into spiritual expansion, spiritual growth, connection with God, listening to their intuition, that their life would become, you know, eating cardboard and uh, just drinking bottled water all the time. And uh, they weren't going to have any fun friends. They were going to have to be feeding the homeless every day or something like that, you know, just... Like, uh, they're going to have to give up their life and go live in a shack and, you know, give up their 
fun clothes and fun shoes. I mean, there's just such a strong belief that if we fully align with our God self, we're going to have to give up everything that we enjoy. And so I think that, that what you're saying about the highest and best isn't going to be something you like. It's just another version of that. Right, right. And one thing I realized is I've been playing the short game for this lifetime, but if we have infinite lives, I might would be better served to set myself up for the long haul. So again, the thought comes back, okay, it's tough in this lifetime. It's uncomfortable. Maybe the next lifetime, it'll be just super easy and quick. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I remember in my 20s when I started to have, uh, back in the 80s, And I started to, you know, I went from that place of wanting to kill myself to be like, okay, so since I'm not going to kill myself, what am I going to do? And uh, I started to have insight and awareness, which initially was kind of a combination of um, recognizing that I had this tremendous self-hatred and controlling, manipulating uh, nature, or not nature, but Uh, personality and I also started to have these visions of myself as a light being as an expanded being and I remember at one point I consciously decided okay I'm headed in the direction of becoming that light being I am not there yet but that's what I'm becoming and it's probably going to take me minimum a hundred lifetimes to become a loving being but that's okay because what are the options there's no other option that i can see that i would like to choose so i'm just going to go for it and you know a hundred lifetimes all right what else am i going to do there's no other you know possible no no other realistic choice that's how it felt to me at age 26 or 27 And um, I was shocked at how much more loving I could become in just a year or two. And then I started to think, well, maybe it won't be 100 lifetimes. Maybe it would be 10 lifetimes. You know, and then um, about a dozen years ago, I said, I'm doing it this lifetime. What do I have to wait for? I'm not bound by time. Time is not a construct that's real. So I'm just doing it now. Like I'm not doing it over the course of 100 lifetimes or 10 lifetimes or 20 lifetimes. I'm just doing it now. Just like, you know, And that's the thing that Buddha found under the Bodhi tree. He was just doing it now. This is what I'm doing now. I'm awakening now. I think it's very helpful to make that shift and say, that's what I'm doing. I'm awakening. I'm attaining enlightenment. And it is happening at this moment in time as I'm going to the grocery store. It's happening now. It's happening now while I'm brushing my teeth. It's happening now while I'm cooking my breakfast. It's never not happening because that's what I'm doing. 
So I am awakening, I'm attaining enlightenment while I'm doing my taxes. I'm attaining enlightenment while I'm raking the leaves. I'm attaining enlightenment while I'm helping my children put on their coat. I'm attaining enlightenment while I'm screaming on the roller coaster. While I'm cleaning up the cat vomit. So that's the main activity. We make that the main activity. Everything else is what we're doing while we're doing it. So Buddha was attaining enlightenment while he was sitting under the Bodhi tree. But he was still attaining enlightenment before he sat under the Bodhi tree. He was in that trajectory. And that's what we are. And that's, that's, the, that's one of the things I love most about A Course in Miracles is Course in Miracles says, really, stop thinking it's a future occurrence. It's happening now. If, if you want to delay it, delay it. But you don't have to. You know, it's just the, the steep sense of guilt and unworthiness that is... I do encourage everyone to listen to my radio show from yesterday about ridding your family of guilt. And some really good, good things came through yesterday for a change. So, <laughs> no, really, it was, it was coming through. I was like, this is some good stuff. I like this. Yeah, it was deeply moving to me. So, um, just the insidious forms of guilt. But that's, that's what we're doing. So setting a high bar. Remember what I said that, Beckwith said, he read in that article, that all, every single one of those people who had all accomplished extraordinary things, what they had in common besides their extraordinary accomplishment was if they had it to do over again, they would have set their sights even higher. Why is that? Why is it that setting uh, your sights high brings you to that accomplishment? Why is it? Why would they say that? Dev. Because that's what they're energizing. That's what they're aspiring to. That's what they're setting the intention to. Energy follows thought. So break it wide open. Exactly. Because they're willing to actually go there. If we don't set the intention, it means we're not really willing to go there. We're not that interested in it. You know, sometimes I give the example of, you know, when someone is really interested in having a cup of coffee or finding a bathroom, they're going to find a bathroom. They're going to get a cup of coffee. You know, I know for me, when I make up my mind, I'm going to do something like that. That thing is going to happen. So, but as we talked about, we are afraid to go there because our ego thinks it's never going to happen. Our ego tells us it's never going to happen. We can't do it. We don't have what it takes. So the, the, the only antidote needed for that is God has what it takes. 
And as long as we have no attachment to it, you know, and that's the thing we've all, by now, we've learned. We've learned how to hold something with intention, without attachment. And we can become even more masterful at that. So how about um, a quick check-in here from uh, any, uh, anyone else who would like to share or anyone who has not shared? Diane? Uh, yeah, I'll share. Um, so I was just, I wrote down here about uh, with the concrete goals, how you said to aggressively eliminate our false beliefs and and so i guess it's that word aggressive that um kind of hit me a bit um because i uh i actually did do the new year's uh um, mm -hmm. reboot yeah and i wrote this big letter to myself of the way i wanted things to be at the end of the year i was reading it every day and then it's kind of like um, the SHIT hit the fan for me. And I started experiencing now what I see is a lot of contrast. Um, and I think probably because I did do that and I was reading it, it did help me move through uh, some of the issues that have come up for me this year a bit. Um, the issues didn't knock me out. They didn't take me down. I was kind of able to, to get through it. Um, and then I, I uh, periodically I would read it again, you know, like it's kind of right there at the front of my book. So I was reading it again, but there was part of me that was like, oh, I don't really believe this because what I'm seeing happening in my world is just so different. Um, and so I kind of look at maybe I wasn't sort of as aggressive as I could have been when I was going through those periods because my experience feels like three steps forward and two steps back. So I'm definitely getting there. But there's always this going forward, coming back, going forward, coming back. And, um, you know, I did experience some of that uh, this year. That, uh, and, and even this morning, like it's so interesting, I, I'm doing the medicine water for my um, uh, issues, physical issues that have come up. And so I'm saying this prayer that I'm believing. And as, as I'm doing it, I can hear a voice in my mind saying, this isn't working. This isn't working for me. And I was like, almost startled by it because that wasn't truly how I felt but I could hear that voice so I really uh, I'm getting it a hundred percent what everyone is saying about these limiting beliefs because it's uh in the past I think I would have latched on to that a bit stronger and said yeah for sure this isn't working for me I'm going to stop doing it whereas now I realize that voice is the ego voice that's really speaking to me saying this stuff just isn't working. 
even though I know that it is. So. Yes. I, I mean, I think we can all completely 100% relate to that. So um, do you have a response to that voice? Well, uh, today I just felt like I became aware of it. But I think that as I was hearing you talk saying, I mean, I, I could have approached that a bit more, you know, aggressively by, I'm not going to listen to you. I've been there. I know what that is. I mean, I didn't really respond to it. I was just aware of it. So, you know, and, and I think maybe that's what's happened a bit for me this year is I've grown in awareness, but maybe not so much in terms of my, my response to these things when they come up. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's to me the next stage to be able to go to that space of that's not true. That's not true for me. Mm -hmm. What is true for me is that my mind is the mind of God. I'm unlimited. There are no limits for me unless I choose to be limited. And I do not choose to be limited. I choose to live a life of profound love and beauty and clarity, and freedom, well-being, wholeness, harmony, and, and what we were talking about before. These limited beliefs have no power over me because the only power that's operating in my life is the power of love, which is the power of God, which is my true identity. And so I can easily take these and just you know, dust them off, they're nothing. And, you know, even some, I, I find that it's definitely helpful to have physical gestures, right? So when I started really in earnest being all in, and I started this practice of saying, Holy Spirit, you take these thoughts out of my mind. Uh, I was doing it so many times a day that I would be doing something like I'd be vacuuming and this thought would come into my mind that so-and-so is an idiot or I shouldn't have done that, um, that was stupid of me, whatever it might be, this negative thought. And I would just literally go like this. I would just say, this bud's for you. And I would lift my hand up, my arm up, like I was giving it to the Holy Spirit. This bud's for you. And... Um, it just, I, when I was a teenager, they had that uh, Budweiser commercial, This Bud's For You, or in my 20s, or whenever it was. And I just just started saying that, This Bud's For You. And uh, having a physical gesture, you know, where you're like relinquishing it. You're, you're saying, no, no. I think it's very helpful doing stuff like that. Um, you know, some people do the tapping. You say, you know, you know about the tapping. Mm -hmm. Do you use that, Diane? Is that something I remember? Yeah, I do use it. Um, I've used it quite a bit in the past, and I, I do truly find that effective, especially anybody who's got anxiety. It really uh, does change your, your whole the way your whole body is feeling. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So... Um, having those clear responses to that ego voice 
is going to speed your transformation of your relationship to the voice. Thank you. Deb? I just, uh, when you were asking how we felt about those more concrete goals, I, I, might, I really felt a little resistance and fear because I worked so hard to get out of concrete goals and structure and lists and to-dos. So I just noticed that that came up and, uh, you know, to get to surrender and flow and trust and, you know, I'm sure there's a balance there. Well, it's like with the deep desire of the heart. So, you know, for some people, it's really important to have a concrete goal. Like um, right now, um, Ron uh, is, is spearheading this Help Shine the Light fundraising campaign. And, uh, and God bless him because it's just a tremendous help what he's doing. And uh, we are raising, we're raising $50,000. And so we have uh, people who've put up $25,000 and we're going to match it. So uh, if for uh, everyone who makes a donation, like Deb, you made a wonderful donation. Thank you so much. Uh, that people who make a contribution, it's going to get matched. It's going to get doubled. So having a concrete goal of reaching this fifty thousand dollars, because if we only raise ten thousand, we're only get matched for ten. Uh, so we're we're going for the fifty, and um, we're about seven eight thousand dollars in so far, and we've got a couple more weeks left. So. Um, we're putting the pedal to the metal on it right now so that we can reach the whole 50. It would be so sad not to reach the whole 50. Um, and so that's a concrete goal of that for some people having a concrete goal like that is very challenging. It's going to bring up a lot of stuff for them, uh, but it's also going to, in that, just like if you um, decide that you're going to learn how to lift 150 pounds over your head, right? You're going to work up to that, and it's going to stretch you, it's going to challenge you, and it's also going to get you in shape. If you decide you're going to run five miles, you're going to enter a, a 10K, right, and run three in a 3.2 miles or whatever a 10K is, you know, that's going to stretch one person. It's going to stretch them a lot. Some people wouldn't stretch them at all. But for some people, it would stretch them a lot. And the experience of stretching their mind uh, about what's possible, it's very much akin to that teaching I've, I've done before about Ernest Holmes says, if you don't, that the mind is like a mold. And the mind has thoughts that create like a mold that spirit flows into and fills the mold. So if you believe that you can walk a mile, you know, you'll be able to, you can work up to walking a mile, you'll be able to accomplish that. If you, uh, if your goal is to run 10 miles, you'll be able to accomplish that. I've certainly demonstrated in that in my life because I worked up to the point where I could run 20 miles. You know, it took me three hours, but I could run 20 miles. 
and and run the whole way, you know. And uh, I, when I first thought about it, I was like, I don't know how that's going to happen, you know. Just like almost everything I've done of significant accomplishment in my life, I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to set the goal. Um, for other people, like for you, Deb, you know, for some people, their to-do lists run their life in a way that's unhealthy because their relationship to it is that they're not a good person if they don't check everything off. And it's just not possible to check everything off. It's, it's not even intended that you would check everything off. Um, I know I've worked with assistants who got really upset because they couldn't finish everything at the, by the end of the day. I'm like, you know, I can't even finish everything by the end of the year, the end of the month, end of the week. I don't even, it's not even conceivable to me that I could finish everything on my plate by the end of the day. That's never going to happen. It's not intended to happen. And, and they'd be like, well, I don't feel comfortable leaving things over to the next day. I'm like, so basically you're set yourself up to never feel comfortable. I, what's up with that? But in your case, Deb, I would say make your strong goals more something about uh, along the lines of uh, the deep desire of the heart. The deep desire of my heart is to feel that my house is in order, that it's beautiful, that I'm comfortable in it, that it's how I would like it to be, you know, by the end of 2018. So it's that I, I can sit in my house and feel, ah, my house is in order. That's the goal. That feeling is the goal. How you will get to it, God will lead you. We don't know. It's going to be revealed. So it's in a sense, some people would say, well, that's less tangible. But the feeling of, of you know, feeling I'm going to, like I said, the first major goal I set was, uh, of any real substance was I'm going to feel love towards myself. I'm going to be in a loving relationship to myself. I thought it would take me many, many years, but within one year I could say, okay, I'm not loving with myself a hundred percent of the time, but I am loving myself generally. And so I feel a sense of accomplishment because of that. I'm not just riding myself negatively all the time anymore. Now I'm being loving towards myself. So it's that. You know, it's seek first the kingdom which is within and all else will be added unto you. And the all else is 100% access to all the spiritual qualities. That when I'd like to experience wisdom, I experience wisdom. When I'd like to experience Wholeness, I experience wholeness. When I'd like to experience freedom, I'm experiencing freedom. When I'd like to experience love and compassion, I can experience it. That's living in the unlimited. So having goals like that would work well for someone like you. And you might have a goal, Deb, that, you know, let's say if you made, you know, $10,000 this year that you'd like to make $15,000 next year or 12, you know, something like that. You can have some, because to me, this, this work that we're going to do in the new year's reboot, it's about having goals in our creativity, in our body, 
in our relationships, in our finances, in our home, in our work, in the community, that we're, you know, it's a well-balanced life. Final thought, Deb. That could be a goal, two, two goals, to have the freedom to be in a committed, loving, holy relationship. Yeah. And to be in a well-balanced life. Yes. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. To, to really feel your life is well-balanced. All right. So, um, Diane, how are you feeling? Let me just ask you that. How are you feeling? I'm your, feeling good. Your cough and your throat and all that. Oh, that. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's still like the hanging on, but I've been using the, um, the uh, emerald green flame. Um, and I, I, you know, over the last couple of weeks, and I really feel like I've made a turn. I'm getting better. I'm coughing less. Um, so yeah, I would say it's it's definitely uh, improving. Um, it's a it's a slow improvement, you know. I guess there's still like a resistance to this healing happening, um, but I I'm feeling a lot. Uh, I guess a lot more positive within myself. That yeah, it's it. I'm going to get there because. As you feel your energy slipping away, you know, you get all the fear comes up, whereas I'm feeling like uh, not so much like that. Well, you know, I'd like to also just add to that, Diane, is for me, you know, I, I get throat issues from time to time, as you probably well know from knowing me for several years. And um, it's really, except for the back injury I had a couple of years ago, this is where I've gotten, you know, just all, you know, from here is the, the main area where anything occurs for me when I do have um, the appearance of illness. And I always take it that what's happening is transformation, healing is happening, and it looks like illness. Healing is happening and it looks like illness because all healing is at the level of the mind and this appearance is getting me to work at the level of the mind. Yeah. Very helpful. Thank you. Same for, for Rand. Rand, and you want to share uh, anything about how you're doing? Here, I got you. Oh, you got it. I think I'm on there. Um, yeah. I was really enjoying your talk and it was inspiring to me, but uh, I'm feeling this resistance of all the physical encumberments in my life right now. And so I have no idea how to get from A to B. So that's what I'm just gonna have to let go of because I gotta move forward even though uh, the body seems this year alone it's it's gotten e even deeper and it's it's spunk um so this mission to see what will happen this year but i am totally open to what you were talking about it was exciting to hear that i was very inspired so thank you wonderful yeah 
Thank you. And, and happy birthday to Christy. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you. It's tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, everyone. Let's speak a word of prayer here. So grateful, so thankful to open our hearts, open our minds, open ourselves to the power and the presence of love moving through us, love leading us, love guiding us, love awakening in our heart, in our mind. So grateful and thankful to step into the unlimited, to step into the unprecedented, knowing that we are not only supported, we're lifted and carried. We're consciously deciding to allow that which doesn't serve all constriction and limiting thoughts and beliefs known and unknown to fall away forever. We are grateful and thankful to be that teacher of God, that living demonstration of love in our own life. So grateful and thankful that everything is being added unto us, that we're finding the kingdom within. In gratitude, we allow the healing to be and share the benefits with all. In gratitude, we know it's done, and so it is. Amen. Amen, amen. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Mwah. Much love to you. Bye for now.